A year ago, Mark Cuban, owner of the NBA Dallas Mavericks, got himself into trouble when he declared that he was a bigot. Coming in the wake of racially incendiary remarks by Donald Sterling, deposed owner of the L.A. Clippers, Cuban's comments, including his remark that if approached late at night by a black kid in a hoodie, he'd cross the street, were criticized as insensitive and offensive. Cuban apologized to the Trayvon Martin family for his hoodie remark, but he didn't back off from his comment about his racial prejudice. Mark Cuban grew up in Pittsburgh, a city with a reputation for being one of America's most livable places, but not for its African-American population, many of whom still live in segregated pockets of poverty. Though Cuban's family had its roots in Pittsburgh's working class, his childhood was spent in Mount Lebanon, a mostly white, affluent district similar to Pittsburgh's Point Breeze, where for generations the city's ruling class had its home, and its children, like the Pulitzer Prize-winning writer Annie Dillard, believed that corporate Pittsburgh was theirs by right. Like Mark Cuban and Annie Dillard, I grew up in Pittsburgh, but unlike upper-middle-class Mount Lebanon and upper-class Point Breeze, my South Side was mostly a working-class neighborhood located near the south bank of the Monongahela River. It was populated by families of Eastern European immigrants whose fathers and sons labored in the heat and filth of nearby steel mills. In his preface to Fences, a play about a former Negro League baseball player, August Wilson wrote that while European immigrants were welcome participants in Pittsburgh's industrial growth, the city rejected the descendants of African slaves migrating from the south who were forced to settle along the riverbanks and under bridges in shallow, ramshackle houses made of sticks and tar paper. My family lived in a side back alley just a railroad track crossing from the Nongahela. Our alley, a vestige of the Great Migration, had white families living on one half of the block and black families living on the other half, but it was as if a demarcation line ran through the middle of the alley. My parents warned me to be careful playing ball with the coloreds and never, never bring one into our home. We did play ball together, but it wasn't enough to overcome the hate and fear that our families were drumming into our heads. By the time I started high school, the black families in our alley had moved across the river to the Hill District, a black ghetto located between the Monongahela and Allegheny Rivers. The white families still living in the alley were glad to see them go. The Broadway musical South Pacific has a song about racial intolerance that begins, You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's taken me a lifetime to educate myself and unlearn the old lessons of bigotry. But as in the case of fellow Pittsburgher Mark Cuban, it hasn't been easy. When I was growing up, I thought Pittsburgh's rivers were natural barriers separating the races. There were some black families still living along the banks of the Monongahela and the Allegheny, including the mill town of Coriopolis, where my wife Anita grew up. But most of Pittsburgh's black population lived in ghettos between the two rivers. There were plenty of bridges crossing the rivers, but they were avenues for commerce only. America's history of racial bigotry and inequality damned so many generations, including Mark Cuban's and my own. But I hope that the best and the brightest of today's generation will learn to ignore the ignorant and intolerant teachings of the past and the poisonous hate-mongering of today's media demagogues. My wife Anita and I, after growing up in a racially divided city, went on to college and became teachers. Together, in classes ranging from kindergarten to graduate seminars, we spent over 50 years trying to instill in our students the tolerance that is not a part of our life lessons when we were growing up. 
As for Mark Cuban's hometown, it's a city still divided by racial inequality, but there's always that hope that its bridges may one day become free-flowing arteries for integration as well as commerce. This is Pete Peterson for WSIU Radio.